Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com. So we are in week three of a series, and we're going to finish this up next week in week four and then move on to an even better series after that. So I mean, it should get better and better and elevate and amen. And so we, we've been calling this series First Things First. And that, that may not sound overly exciting when you first hear it, but it is very important because it's a series about settling the number one issues in our life. Who's number one? What's number one? And that, that's, that's an important thing. And I started the series off, and I've, I've used these questions each week. And so I'm going to say these three questions again. And even though you've heard them, don't just brush them off, but open your heart and, and think about how you would answer this. The first question is, to whom do you belong? And I know as Christians, our answer is, I belong to Jesus. Um, do you really, really belong to him? Do all of your thoughts, all of your heart, all of your resources, all of your possessions, all of your purposes, all of your time, does it really belong all to, to him? Second question is, who owns your stuff? Now, I know we like to think we're all spiritual giants, and we never, ever struggle with, with me, mine, my stuff, my time, my things. But, but at the core, aren't we all a little selfish? Don't look around, but we're all a little selfish. And so there could be a challenge there, but whom do you belong? Who owns your stuff? And then last question is, how responsible are you? How, you? how responsible are you with all that God has blessed you with, all that God has done for you? How responsible are we? Because I'll just be real honest with you. We live in a very, very irresponsible age, a very entitled age, a very irresponsible season in culture and society. And here's what I believe, that the stuff out there should not be resident in the house in here. The Bible says the kingdom's different. We do stuff differently. We do stuff how God says, um, the way God wants them done, because how many know those are higher ways? They don't make sense to everyone out there, but how many know they're the better ways? That's why they're higher. Amen. So in week one, we did a message, and I called it Becoming Responsible. We said some stuff like this, God never promotes poor management. Good management, though, is the pathway to great blessings, but you determine how responsible you become. So it's not a God thing, it's, it's, it's you and I determining how responsible we come. Then last week, we took it to another level, and we said becoming responsible to bring it. You know, if you step on the basketball court or on the football field, you know, last weekend the Rams brought it, the Bengals brought it for a while, but the Rams brought it at the end, and so that's why they're the Super Bowl um, champions. And so to bring it, what's, what's the it? Well, the Bible says the it is our first fruits, or the it is the first principle. So we're to bring the first or the best to God, our best to God. We said a few things like this, that God will only bless our faithfulness. That's what he blesses is our faithfulness. We said this, that faithfulness reveals what you honor, and faithful, faithfulness is the catalyst for increase. So that's where we have been uh, for a real quick review, and so y'all ready for this morning? We're gonna build on this, and we're, we're gonna we're gonna um, finish this off next week with with a really cool cool message. But in Luke chapter sixteen, there are some familiar words that you've heard in a parable that Jesus taught, 
A parable is a story that gives an illustration. Jesus used them all the time. And in the middle of it, he said some odd things that I want to answer for you. So Luke chapter 16, Jesus said this to his disciples. He says, there was a rich man who had a steward. We've learned that a steward is a manager. It's someone who faithfully manages what's been entrusted to them by someone. So God has entrusted things to us as his people. And so that's what a steward is. We would call it a manager today. A certain uh, owner or a rich man had a manager or a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was, look what it says, wasting his goods. So he called the man to him, and he said, what's this that I'm hearing about you? And he said this, he says, give an account of your stewardship. You're no longer going to be able to be a steward. So in this parable, there's this steward or this manager, and his boss or the owner accuses him of what the Bible says here, wasting the goods of the owner. We could say it this way because you see the word waste there. The word waste actually means to squander. It means to be careless with. It means to be neglectful with. And so the owner, because of this, required an account to be given, or in other words, uh, we would say it this way, an audit to examine the reports, look at the receipts. And so what God was, or what this owner was expecting was this manager to be responsible with his business or his goods, and the owner found out that he had squandered, been careless, and really been wasteful with what he entrusted to him. Now, so over the last few weeks, we said this, that in week one, that God expects us to be responsible. Amen. We said this last week, not only responsible, but God expects us to be faithful. I want to add to that this week. God also expects you and me to be accountable. Thank you for all the amens. Uh, Faithful, responsible, and accountable. So here's this owner expecting this accountability to happen, and this this steward, this manager, was wasting his goods. And that got me to thinking about the fact that God has entrusted some things to you. He has entrusted to you possessions. He has entrusted to you potential. He has entrusted to your life God, his, God's purposes. He's entrusted to your life opportunity. He's entrusted to your life relationship, family, wife, children. He's entrusted these things, giftings. He's entrusted his witness to you. He's just entrusted these things to your life. And something we don't talk about enough is that God expects accountability from us. We're accountable for the purposes that he's given us. We're accountable for the possessions he's given us. We're accountable for the money he's put in our hands. We're accountable for the relationships. We're, we're accountable for these things. And I know that's a word that's not popular in culture, but that's a principle in the Bible that's a key to the blessings in our life, this, this accountability. And so what does the word accountable really mean, especially in, in, in a Bible setting? It, it means this, to be answerable, that we're, we have to be answerable, or how about this, that we're capable of being counted on. It literally means, in the Greek, liable to be called into account. And so think about that. If God called you into account on what he's entrusted to you, would he be able to say, you've been faithful, you've been responsible, you've been answerable, or would God have to call you into account and do an audit? What if he audited your life? Would he find 
that you have been faithful? Or would he say, you have squandered, you have wasted, or you've been careless with these things I have entrusted to you? Now, now let me help all of us. Sometimes we hit home runs and sometimes we strike out. Right? Sometimes, sometimes you do really good and sometimes I do really good. And then sometimes we don't do so good. But consistently, how accountable are we? Because, you know, just because you can't see God does not mean that God is not present. And God sees all. God knows all. And so there's this, there's this thing I want to call us. When we're talking about this series being first things first in our lives, we have to be accountable that God is first, that these things we're responsible for. And just because we don't always see God, we're still accountable to those things. God is holding us accountable for these things. Let's, let's read on because this, this verse takes a little bit of a weird twist here, or these verses. Verse 3, so then the steward said inside of himself, what shall I do? My master is taking the stewardship away from me, and I cannot dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. So he's a business guy. He's not going to go out and do manual labor, and he's not going to go out and beg. So he's trying to figure out what's happening. On account of his wastefulness, he's about to lose his position. Verse 4, so I've resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. I'll explain all this. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, take your bill, sit down and quickly write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill, write out 80. So the master commended the unjust steward, because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Let me explain that, because that sounds weird. So what's going on is this steward is responsible for the debts and the payments owned to his boss. And he would make his money off of commission on those debts. And, and here it's talking about oil and wheat, but, but some people have listed this anywhere from $20,000 to $100,000. And so what the steward did, he, he thought, how am I going to get in favor with these people that owe debts in the future? What I will do is I'll take my commission off, make the payment, and then they'll owe me in the future. And the business owner actually said that he commended him for this. How are we to understand this? Let me, let me help you. Here's what I believe he was saying. He didn't commend him for his wastefulness, but he commended him for an eye to the future. For a, an eye to the future or his destiny or the next phase. And sometimes as believers, we don't keep an eye to the future. We don't keep an eye to God's accountability. We don't keep an eye to the future. And this is what he was actually commending him for. Even though he was wasteful, he figured out a plan to, to take care of himself. And so what God is saying here is that we need to have the same kind of heart looking forward because God's expecting some things for us. God is keeping us accountable for some things. Let's read on. Y'all doing all right? Okay, let's read on in this verse. Verse 10. So then it goes on and it says this, he who is what? Faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least will be unjust in much. Therefore, if you have been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Verse 13. No, serve, 
No servant can serve two masters. He's either going to hate one and love the other, or else he's going to be loyal to one, and he's going to despise the other. You can't serve God, and you can't serve mammon at the same time. So what this scripture goes on to say is that there are things God has entrusted to us, very natural things. And if we'll become very accountable in those areas, he can trust us to even greater things, spiritual things, kingdom things. God calls that a just steward or a just manager. But if we are not faithful in the least of things, God can't trust us in truly greater things, and he calls that an unjust steward or an unjust manager. Going back to here's this wasteful manager of the things of God who lost his position. He schemed his own plan out of it, but what God is saying is it's better to be faithful than have to come up with a plan. It's better to stay accountable than it is to have to make up for lost time. Be accountable for what is ahead. Be accountable for what God has put into your hands. And God goes on, he says, you can't serve two masters. You'll hate one or you'll end up loving the other. And he goes on and he says, you can't serve God and mammon. I'm doing a lot of explaining. I'll get practical here in a moment. But mammon is simply, it was the Babylonian God for riches. It's actually a spirit. It's a spirit that's on the resources and the system of this world. You would describe its attributes with things like this. Greed, pride, envy, jealousy, poverty. How many know that's the world system? That's the system of the world that we're in. And the Bible says there's mammon system, but then there's the kingdom system. The kingdom never goes into recession. The, the kingdom system is different than the world system and, and, and it, it, literally, this is about finances, and, and you know, the Bible says that you, um, that the love of money is the root of all evil, or the wrong relationship with money. So it says you, you the Bible doesn't say you, you can't have money, it just says you can't have the wrong relationship with money. You can have money and still serve God, if you're accountable and if you're faithful. But so many times, a lot of us get stuck in the world system, not just with money, but just how everything operates. And what this is saying is we need to be accountable to the kingdom system. We need to be accountable to God's way of doing things and not wasting the kingdom's resources or our kingdom purposes or our kingdom opportunities or our kingdom potential. And that's really what this this passage of scripture is all about. Y'all got the parable, right? So what does that mean to us this morning? What's that mean in this series? Well, what are we talking about? First things first. We not only need to be responsible, we need to become faithful, and we need to become accountable. So here's my title for this morning. It's becoming responsible to protect it, to protect it. Now, by protecting, I don't mean hiding it. The word protect means I'm going to keep something safe from loss. I'm going to keep something safe so I don't mismanage it. I'm going to keep something safe so I don't waste it, so I don't neglect it, so I don't become careless with it. So we're not only to bring, to be responsible to bring, we're responsible to protect that which God has entrusted to us. And that's what accountability is absolutely all about. So how would you and I protect what God has entrusted to us? I believe that it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a priority thing. Because we don't want to be like that steward who was wasteful. We don't want to be like that steward who was careless. I want you to think about 
the purposes of God in your life. And according to scripture, everyone was born with a purpose. The Bible actually says this, when he thinks about you, he's thinking about those purposes. Jeremiah says that. I know the plans I have for you. I know the purpose I have for you. They're good plans. They're great plans. The Bible says before you were even born, he knew about the plans. Psalm says this, there's a book in heaven with all of your purposes in it. Wouldn't you hate one day to find out that you're standing before God and you ran your race here, but God's purposes were actually over here? And you want God to bless you for this, but what God's holding you accountable for is this. Are you all with me? All right, let's, let's build some points. Here's the first life point, ready? If we're going to protect and be accountable, number one, we have to prioritize God's position in our life. We have to prioritize God's position in our life. Listen, if I asked all of you, if I took a poll, who's number one in your life, you all would give me the right Jesus answer. It would be God's number one in my life. You would give me that right answer. We would all say that. We all have the right heart. We have the right intention about that. But do you know, like, to really prove that God's number one, there are some things that prove that. Our checkbook proves it. Our calendar proves it. Our energy, where we spend our energy, those things all prove. If I said to you, my wife, other than Jesus, is number one in my life, but if I don't really spend any money on her, if I don't spend any time with her, if I don't take care of her, how many know that what I said is one thing, but what I do is another? God's not going to hold me accountable to what I'm saying. God's going to hold me accountable how I'm living. So my wife's birthday was yesterday. And so um, my wife has this thing where it's not happy birthday, it's happy birth, birth week. And so we, we, um, we, made, uh, we ate out several times this week. Uh, we had a night at my mom's. I took her shopping Friday, took care of her yesterday. Um, why? Because priority. If her birthday came and we're like, hey, here's, here's, a, here's a cupcake and a card. Thanks for being born. We know that wouldn't work. You got what I'm saying. We have to prioritize God as number one because there's a lot of stuff competing for his, his position. Listen, sometimes it's our careers. Sometimes it's the opinion of others. Sometimes it's kids and all of their soccer games. Sometimes it's our schedules. I'm just saying we have to prioritize, which means we got to keep putting focus and energy and effort and evaluation in the fact is God, and this is a great time of the year to, to reprioritize God's position in our lives. And when I say God's position, I, I mean things like this. Is his word number one in our lives? Is the word of God number one in our lives or is fake news competing for, for focus? Is the will of God number one in our lives or is our will Number one, I want to do this, and I want to be that. And I want, is that competing? So his word, his will, what about God's ways? I mean, God, God does things different than the world does them. God's ways work. The world's ways are a mess. And there's just times we have to make sure that we are reprioritizing God's position in our lives. First things first, God and what God says and how God says it. That is what I have to prioritize. If I'm going to protect 
and be accountable and not be a wasteful manager and not be, not be audited, so to speak, for wasting everything God's put in our hands. You know, God, God put something amazing in your hands. Some of you might have 10 or 12 of these at home. Some, a lot of you have it in your pocket right now. It's the word of God, whether it's digital, whether it's on print. There are places in the world that don't have that. Are we being wasteful with the word of God? You know what the word of God is? It's the mindset of God. It's the mentality of God. It's the heart of God. He just wrote it down because he knew we're forgetful. We stopped reading it on print, so he got it on a smartphone. Come on, guys. We, it, but how many of us have mismanaged the word of God? We can say it's important, but is it priority? In your life, every challenge that knocks on the door, it could be financial, it could be physical, it could be relational, it could be mental, it, it, it could be um, health, it could be whatever it might be. When that knocks on your door, are you going to say, but the priority is that God said. God said I'm healed. God said I'm free. When that old habit knocks on the door, can you say, but God said I'm healed. God said let the redeemed of the Lord say. God, God's word is most important in my life, what he says. It's the priority, but God said. Well, CNN said, but God said. The government said, but God said. Come on, somebody. We know that's good. So priority, God's first. If God's first, guess what? My ways have to change. They have to adjust. My attitude has to alter, has to submit. Life point number two. We prioritize gratitude for what God has placed in our life. I prioritize God's position is first in my life. And I have to prioritize gratitude for everything he's put in my hands. The moment that we start becoming a little bit less thankful and a, less great, a little bit le uh, less grateful, we become a little bit more entitled. We complain a little more. We become a little bit more selfish. I'm telling you how to protect and be accountable. I got I, I to prioritize God is first, and I got to prioritize gratitude. Y'all, we have a lot to be grateful for. Remember, we, we said this during the worship set, don't predict your tomorrow on how you were, predict it on how good and faithful God's been. Because he will continue to show off tomorrow if your faith can put him there. Grateful. Grateful. First, uh, First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. Talking about staying grateful for what God has put in your hands. And it is indeed a source of immense profit. This is the Amplified Bible. Godliness accompanied with contentment, that contentment which is a sense of inward sufficiency is great and it's abundant gain. Now, leave that up for just a second. It is indeed a source of profit. It is, look at the abundant gain. In other words, there's something very good for you. There's something that's an advantage for you. There's something that makes progress for you. There's something that will advance you. And what is it? Godliness accompanied with contentment. To be content. So what's godliness? Here's what godliness is. Godliness is a Godward attitude. Or check it out what it means. First things first. So if first things first and I have a Godward attitude, then the Bible says what I should add to my godliness is to be content. So, so what is content? 
Well, content is this. It's, it's an inside and an outside thing. And it just means this, that I'm God-dependent and I'm God-satisfied. I'm not circumstance-dependent and I'm not circumstance-satisfied. I'm not people-satisfied and I'm not people-dependent. I'm not possession-sufficient and I'm not possession-satisfied. And the Bible says when you can mix a Godward attitude with being content, it's great gain. It's to, to your advantage. It's what keeps us grateful. To understand that where I'm at right now may not be where I'm at tomorrow, but I've become content in the sufficiency of God. I've become content in having a Godward attitude. I'm sufficient in God. I'm dependent on God. That's a content place. Okay, let, let's, let's build on this. Let's read a little more. Y'all doing all right? Elbow somebody and say, it's about to get good. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. And God is able. How many know God's able? Now, this is a particularly financial scripture, but it but has other applications. And God is able to make all what? Grace. What's grace? The goodness of God, which is unmerited, unearned, and undeserved. God is able to make all grace, every favor, and every earthly blessing come to some people. Now, insert your name. He's able to make favor, earthly blessings come to Aaron in average portions, right? Now what? In abundance. So that you would always, under all circumstances, and whatever the need is, be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support, or and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Now, it's about finances, but it can be applied in other areas. What God is saying is, if you're, if you're content in me, what I can do, I am able to make all grace abound to you. If we remain grateful, Godward attitude, right, plus con being content, it's great gain. Why is it great gain? Because he can pour out grace on your life. He can pour out favor on your life. God's sufficiency on your life. He will make you sufficient in things in life. You'll have not just enough to get by, but more than enough. If you're accountable with the least, right now, if you're flipping burgers at McDonald's, Flip every burger knowing I'm faithful right now. I'm faithful in this lease. What can God do? God can give you a McDonald's. The best thing is when you go through the Golden Arch Supper Club is to have somebody who's content with where they're at right now. Doesn't mean they want to be there in 30 years, but they're content at that position, at that place. And here's the difference. Because sometimes you come up with somebody who is not content at that moment. Because the difference is what's on them is grace. Where you're at right now in situations in your life, the difference is, is there grace on you or not? If I'm accountable to what I'm doing right now where I'm at, there is great grace on me. There is not grace for you to run a race that's not yours. Some of us are trying to run races God did not put us on. Going on past, he did not design for us, and there is no grace on that. And you know the difference. Some of you have experienced it in jobs. You know when there was a grace on you, and you know when the grace departed. You know when you're in the right place, and you did your thing. There's a difference. The difference is the grace of God, the goodness of God, the favor of God, the rest of God. He's asking you to be accountable for what he put on your heart, what he put in your hands, and what he put before you. Not all the other stuff. The other stuff, he has a way of just bringing to you. All right, 
If you don't like that, I got another one. Philippians chapter 4. There's a familiar verse in here, but let's put it in context. Verse 11. Now that I, not that I'm implying that I was in any personal want or I've learned how to be content, satisfied to the point where I'm not disturbed or disquieted in whatever state I am, but I know how to be abased and live humbly in, in straightened circumstances, and I know also how to enjoy plenty and live in abundance. So Paul's talking here, said, I know what it's like to have a bunch, I know what it's like to be in want, and he, he, he goes on and he says, I've learned in any and all circumstances the secret of facing anything, whether well-fed or hungry, having sufficiency and enough, or to, to spare or going without or being in want, he's found that the answer is a spirit of being content. Because it's not in the moment of want or need, it's in the sufficiency of Jesus. It's in the, the provision of God. So verse 13, he adds this to it. We like to quote this part. I found strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I'm ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses the inner strength into me. I'm self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Or you quote it this way. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But why can you do all things through Christ who strengthens you? Why? Because you have a Godward attitude plus contentment equals confidence. I'm remaining grateful for what God has put in my hands. If it's just this little house right now, I'm going to trust in the sufficiency of God, and I'm going to be accountable right here, right now. If you're driving something you're not real excited about right now, how you drive or how you take care of what you're driving right now depends on what you'll drive in a few years. And you don't have to go out and break the bank in the future, living off things you can't afford to keep up with the Joneses who have no idea where they're going anyway. Come on, are you hearing me? Gratitude. I'm talking about how do you protect and be accountable? I keep prioritizing Godward attitude. God is number one, so I'll do things as he says, how he says them, when he says them, and I'm going to keep grateful for where I'm at right now and what's in my hands. Godliness plus being content equals confidence. I'm confident in what I have, where I'm at right now. This is what I'm accountable for right now. In, in a few years, I'm going to be accountable for a little bit more. But right here, right now, I'm accountable for, for the race I'm in, for what's going on. Because when you get out of your race, you get out of your grace. Ready for the last point? Here it is. So I prioritize not only God being first in my life and gratitude for what he's put in my hands, but I prior, prioritize accountability for what God has entrusted to my life. I prioritize he's first, prioritize being grateful for where I'm at, and I prioritize being accountable for what's in my hands. I'm going to read this as I wrote it. It sounds a little wordy, so I just want you to hear this. So we just said that godliness or a Godward attitude plus being content in the sufficiency of God makes me confident. But listen to this. So when we're content, we are not moved with anxiety Envy, jealousy, or greed. It just doesn't have to be a part of our life. Why? We're su we're, our, our sufficiency is in Christ. Our trust is in Christ. I've been accountable. I've been, they're paying me this much money. I've been accountable to tithe and sow. So you know what? I'm not worried about my tomorrow because the Bible says I'll open the windows of heaven. I'll pour out a blessing. I promise I'm in covenant to take care of you. Something comes up, I'll take care of you. That's covenant. I'm confident in that. But I'm not confident when I get outside of that. Because that's being wasteful with the goods 
of our Father. I'm outside of the purposes, the possessions, the giftings. When I'm outside of that, guess what happens? Things like this, stress, anxiety, worry, agitation, irritation. Y'all with me? Now listen to this. But when we aren't content any longer, the opposite of being content is discontent. You diss the content. I diss the content. Content means I'm su- my sufficiency is in God. If I diss that, then guess what? I embrace stress, worry, anxiety, fear, agitation, frustration. Because here's what lifts off your life. Gratitude lifts off and grace lifts off. A discontent person, grace and gratitude lift off their life. An accountable person, a content person, has grace and gratitude hovering on their life. And and I'm telling you this this for a reason in this series, because this can happen to any of us at any time. This is why we have to practice gratitude. We have to practice keeping God first in our lives. You know, the opposite spirit of being accountable is just wasteful. It's being careless. And we get careless with gratitude. We get careless with these things. We get greedy with these things. And guess what? We, We get into discontent instead of content. Now listen to this. Gratitude lifts and grace lifts. And we start doing some things with our lives that are destructive. Don't look around. Because you may have done this. We start doing some things like this. I compare myself to others. Well, they've got this. I don't. Their house is nicer. Their, Their ride is nicer. Their relationships are better. Their physique is better. We compare. The we, Bible actually says this, that comparison is sinful. Because think about this. Think, think, think about this. I'm not content. Now, listen, if it's about your physique, it, it, that's a lot of pressure in our society. People spend a, millions of dollars on, you know, reconstructive surgeries and all of that. And, and I'm not against that. Cut it, lift it, tuck it, duct tape it, whatever you want to do. <laughs> get healthier, whatever. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you got to get to a place where I'm content in who I am, in God, and what God has said about me and been about me. And i got to stop comparing uh, who's how, because if, if, if right now this is... Where God has me in this size house, driving this ride, i got to get content. Because if not, my whole life is compared to that. And I no longer am accountable to him because I'm staring at this. And I get wasteful with this. And I get, I get, I lack gratitude for where I'm at right now. And I lack this thankfulness for where I'm at right now. And I start thinking and talking. And so pretty, much, pretty soon, I'm going to get me that. So I take a job God did, never wanted me to take to make some more money that costs more hours. Eventually, I, ru- I lose my kids and my wife and everything else, and I have this, and I don't even want it because I don't have the rest of it. That's the world we're living in. That's the mammon system of the world. And the Bible says you, you can't serve those two. You cannot serve the world system and God's system. You can have that stuff and serve God, but you can't serve both of those. So we start, come on, am I, am I talking to the right crowd this morning? Sometimes we get, we can compare ourselves. Then we start getting to where we start thinking things like this. Well, you owe me. Now I'm a time. God, you owe me that. God, you owe me that. 
I tithe for four straight months. You owe me that, God. We get this entitlement. Or we can get into this. No one cares. No one cares about me. God doesn't care. People don't care. But, but, but who's that all about? Me. See, it's all about me again. Then we fall out of agreement and we fall into opposition and we start becoming sufficient in ourselves and our things. And the Bible said that's covetousness, that's idolatry, and that's the sin that creates all sin, the Bible says. That's what I'm telling you we need to protect ourselves from. Protect means I need to keep myself from loss. That's what the poor steward did. That's what the unjust manager did. He was wasteful. Whatever his reasons for being wasteful were, maybe it's a bad attitude. Maybe he started off great. I, I, it doesn't tell us that. And you know what? Maybe he had a good heart. You know what the Bible says about that? Not one of us have a good heart is what the Bible says. It says nothing good comes out of your heart. So we all need some heart surgery. We all need God to keep working on our hearts. Because we use that. They were a jerk, but they had a good heart. <laughs> they had good intentions. That doesn't count. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying. We want you to walk in God's best. And God's greatest fulfillment of spiritual blessing, financial blessing, relational blessing. And we can shout about it and wave our Pentecostal hankies, but sometimes it's more than that hype. More times, sometimes it's more than our just declaration, that's part of it. But sometimes like, God, I need to adjust some stuff in my life. And a lot of us are product of the world system. Some of you didn't come into God's system until years later. Some of you have sort of been in God's system, but no one ever explained it right to you. But I wrote this down at the end of my notes. So I'm going to say this now, and I'm going to read one more scripture. I wrote this down. Let's stop wasting our kingdom potential on mammon's living. Let's stop wasting the kingdom's potential in our lives on mammon's purposes or on mammon's or the world system. Let the world do what the world wants to do. You be accountable to God. I'm not accountable. You know what? I'm not accountable to believe all the bunk that's out there right now. I'm accountable to believe the Word of God. They can believe. Don't be surprised that they believe it. Their minds are unrenewed. Be accountable, though, to what God said for your mind. Don't be surprised what's in the heart or the system of the world or the wackiness out there. They, they need, they need touched by Jesus. They need touched by the word of God. But you're not accountable to live that way. There's no grace on you to live that way, think that way, behave that way, or believe that way. There is grace on you and favor on you to believe on every word. The Bible says you exist on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. This book right here, that's all you're accountable to. And I will guarantee you, you live accountable to that, you'll live a pure, productive, prioritized, purpose-filled, powerful life. And I got news for you. You can do it. 
You say, how, how can I do it? Well, here's how you can do it. You get revelation on it, which you just got this morning. You make some adjustments, surrender to it, declare and live by it, and guess what? Goodness will pursue you all the days of your life. Can, can we all stand? I want to I read you this scripture. In this scripture, I want to um, be the filter for your heart and mind for this moment. We're going to do a song that we've been doing since, I think, New Year's Eve, right? We'll probably do it again next week, but we'll transition out of it. It's our theme song here so far. It's the song, Make Room. You know, if you were going into your your literal physical house and you were getting some new furniture, some new stuff, doing an upgrade, that would be remodeling or repairing or making some room. Anytime you make room, you're making room for what? Expansion, increase, updates. We sing this song, Make Room. That's what we're saying. We're making room for some updates. We're making room for some expansion, some enlargement. And all God requires for you is be faithful to little stuff. He'll bring the big stuff. Quit chasing the big stuff. God has a way, because if you get your big stuff your way, it comes with, um, it, 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 it comes with a clause. Stress, worry, anxiety. If you got it your way, you got to figure out how to keep it your way. You got to you got to worry about how not to lose it your way. But when it comes God's way, guess what? It, it comes furnished with peace, joy. Come on, laughter, goodness, confidence, a Godward attitude plus a spirit of being content in Christ equals great confidence. Great confidence against any financial challenge, physical challenge, people challenge. Come on, isn't this good? All right, I got your scripture. Here it goes. Ready? Here's your scripture. Galatians chapter 4. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given. Yeah, see your phone. Just take a picture of it. There it is. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given. That's what you're accountable to. And then sink yourself into that. Just sink yourself in to who God called you to be and what he's called you to do. Sink yourself into it and do not compare yourself with others. Don't compare your race with theirs. Each of you take responsibility for doing the creative best that you can with your own life. I was thinking about this. um, I was thinking about this. I said this to my wife, and this is going to sound, I'm not, I'm not talking about anybody in particular. I just said it's interesting how we all drift to certain churches. And there's reasons. I mean, there should be certain reasons you go to certain churches. But anyway, we just drift to different churches. But I've watched some people drift to certain teachings. sometimes I see a lack of life and I see an abundance of judgment and sometimes I wonder if we're all reading the same Bible because 
we're in the right place serving the right God, we should be becoming more grateful, more revelation, more love. I'm not talking about any particular church. So I'm trying to figure out what I'm talking about. I'm just, I'm just thinking about that. I've just seen some people been around Jesus for a while, sick, broke, bad attitude, and very negative. And I'm like, we all, we all reading the same Bible? And the difference is, we need some revelation on the Word, not some, not some man's opinion being passed down. Because there's liberty in that. Some of you came up under a spirit of judgment and you learned about grace and you're like, someone lied to me for a while. Some of you came up under, a, under sickness and you found out God's a healer. Some of you came up in poverty and learned, man, all along part of God embracing me and breaking the curse was he wanted to bless my life. Even when it comes to our money, what's God saying? Bring me your tithe. That's where it starts, 10%. God takes your 10% and blesses the 90. That's what God said. Be accountable. Start there to that 10%. And when you become accountable to that, be accountable to gifts and generosity and giving. And when you do that, guess what I can do? I can bring the abundance. I can bring the blessing. I can bring... But this spirit of wastefulness has to go. This spirit of carelessness, we've been doing, the church has been doing church carelessly for a while. We've woke up though. We have woke up the last year and a half. We have woke up. Don't poke the church now, I'm telling you. Don't poke, don't poke the church. God is, God has separated religion from those who believe. God is separating death from life. God is separating faith from fear. God is separating these things. God is separating those who are going to live by purpose, the words of Jesus, from all that. He's separated. The question is, which side, which, line, which side of the line are you going to be on? Well, this morning we need to say, I, I'm, if I've been out of line, can you pop that scripture back up? I'm going to shut up. We're going to sing a song. Right now, I want you and me to make a careful exploration of who you are. Not who you want to be, not who you think you are. Not the, someone else's race, not what CNN, not other. Who, where you been in the work you've been given? What God's put in your hands? You can break it down to how good a dad, how good of an employee, whatever. And then just sink yourself into what God's called you to be accountable to right now. Don't get too impressed with yourself. Can I say this to you? You are never as bad as some people say you are. And you're never as good as some other people say you are. Don't compare yourself. Take responsibility. Be creative with your own life, serving the purposes of God, because that's where the grace of God stays. You know what the sports world calls grace? They call it momentum. Y'all watch the Super Bowl? You saw it shift the whole time. But at the end, who had it? I'm going to say at the end, you know who's going to have the momentum is God's church. That's who's going to have the momentum. And it's, it's happening right now. The church has a, the, the mammon is losing its momentum. And the kingdom never lost it anyway. It just woke up and got a little more work. But what about you for the next few moments? 
for the next few moments in his presence. Some of us need to just repent because we haven't been real accountable. Some of us need to just apologize to God. Some of us need to pick some things up we put down, and some of us need to put some things down that we picked up. And we need to say, God, my life's about the kingdom. You rescued me, saved me, delivered me, healed me, blessed me, set me free, and my life is yours. I'm sorry I keep taking it back. My purposes, my, my career, all this stuff, my business, God, it's yours. Here I am. We need to make some room because I feel like what God wants to do in your near future is expand you and the church. So we got to make some room for that. You know what that means? Some old attitudes need to go. Some old failures just need to go. Some things need to adjust. We need to throw away. Y'all have some stuff in your house that you saved it because you might need it one day. That was 15 years ago. You haven't used it yet. You ever have one of those days where you go to Goodwill? It was hard to get there and put the boxes in, but once you dumped it off, you're like, it's their problem now. It's not my problem now. I don't even know why I kept that stuff anyway. But I might need it one day. There's some stuff in your yesterday you aren't going to need one day because God's taking you to a different level, to a different degree, to a different place. Let's take that stuff out. Let's make some room.